0: today on Moody Presents with Mark Job.
1: What Jesus is saying is that we, if we are authentic followers of His, if we claim to follow Jesus, then we need to do what the Master did. If the Master served other people, then it's part of our DNA, part of our value system. Part of what we do is to roll up our sleeves and to serve the people around us and to serve the communities around us and to get involved in helping people that have need because we realize we are following the ways of jesus and if our master did it, listen
0: so do we welcome to moody presents with pastor mark Job. he's president of moody bible institute and senior pastor of new life community church in chicago It has been and continues to be all about investigating the claims of Christ here on the program. Pastor Mark is leading us on a journey through John's Gospel. And here in these pages, Jesus made a number of unforgettable I am statements. But what does Jesus really mean when he says he is the way, the truth, and the life? That's John 14, verse 6. How does all this apply to you and me? For one thing, as followers of Jesus, we're not supposed to be sitting on the sidelines. Christ modeled for us what an authentic follower should look like. And that's just where we're headed today as we continue our study in the book of John. Now here's Pastor Mark Job on Moody Presents.
1: John 13 and 14 talk about what it means to be an authentic, true, real follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus knew that in just a few days, he would be crucified. Normally, when someone is reaching the last days of their life, they focus on things that are really important. How about it? I've been at the bedside of many people that were facing their last few hours of life or last few days of life. I've had a lot of, because I'm a pastor, I've had a lot of those private one-on-one conversations with people that knew that in a few hours they would no longer be living on earth. And I've noticed that the conversations of people that know they're going soon, they're always about important issues of life. I've never had someone say, well, let me talk you about the scratch in my car that I got two weeks ago, I want to talk about politics or the economy or the weather. Normally, the conversations revolve around God and family, things that are important. I want to get things right with my son who I haven't talked to in a long time. My soul is in a bad place. I need to really make things right with God. Last year, I went into a man's room, and he knew he was dying of cirrhosis of the liver, He wasn't a churchgoer, but he had family members that attended this church, and so he wanted to see me. He knew he only had a few days left to live. I went into his room and asked everybody else to go out so we could have a private conversation. I said to him, so what's on your soul? What's on your mind right now? He looked at me, and a big tear rolled down the side of his face, and he said, redemption. I need redemption. I'll never forget that. He knew that he had lived a lifestyle that wasn't, it was pretty wild and reckless. But in his last moments of life, he understood, I need the redemption of a savior. I need a second chance before I meet my maker. I need to get things right with God. As Jesus is facing the last hours of his life, he talks about things that are really important to his disciples. And he, in essence, if you look at chapter 13 and 14 of John, you'll discover that Jesus is giving a authenticity test. He talks to his disciples about what it really means to be a true follower, and he gives what I would say were our four tests of what it means to be a real follower and to be able to distinguish between a true follower and one, someone that is not a true follower. Now we do tests for a lot of things, don't we? Have you ever been to a store and given someone a $20 bill and they put it up to the light and check it out or they run it through a machine? Ever happened to anybody here? Why does it happen to me? I must have a, like a convict-looking face or something because it happens to me at times and they would just want to make sure that this is the real thing that it's not a counterfeit because it may look like the real thing but if it isn't the real thing it doesn't have value if you ever go to a jewelry store you want to test whether it's real gold or whether it's gonna start turning green within two weeks right I was in China a couple years ago a beautiful nation 1.6 billion people But their laws of patenting aren't the same as ours, so they do a lot of knockoffs of brand names and put the brand on them. And so as you're shopping there, looking around, you always ask, is this the real thing? Or is this a counterfeit? Is it it the real one or not? Jesus is looking at his disciples, and he's telling his disciples four things that will help them understand if they're really in line with what it means to follow Jesus or not. So I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 13 and we will begin by looking at the first test of what it means to be an authentic disciple. The setting is that they were about to eat what we call the Last Supper. Now many of you are familiar with the term the Last Supper you may have seen the painting by Leonardo da Vinci called The Last Supper. Right now it's I believe the original painting is found in Milan. Now when you think The Last Supper, I don't want you to think Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper picture because there's a lot of things wrong about that picture. First of all, how come they're all sitting on the same side of the table? First thing that's wrong. Secondly, how come they look like, well, they look like the rolling stones. They're all white blue eyed and listen, they were they were Jewish so they're going to be a lot darker, a lot darker in their skin. And thirdly, the table that they're sitting at is all wrong. In the days of Jesus, they did not set at tables like that. They did in fact, they didn't set at chairs when they ate supper. They would actually the tables were about this high and they would recline on pillows, large pillows around the table they would lean on one arm and eat with another arm and that's how they would celebrate their meals that was the the form and tradition of the day so Jesus was approaching the Last Supper his disciples are inclined around the table on pillows they're eating what would be the final supper that they would eat together and Jesus begins this intense conversation with them about what it means to follow him. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. It says, When he, referring to Jesus, had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place and and said to his disciples, Do you understand what I have just done for you? He asked them. Verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done. I tell you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed. If you do them the first test that Jesus gives his disciples is what I call the mindset test the mindset the mindset of a servant leader what had just happened well in the Jewish culture people traveled around usually they walked on dirty dusty roads in sandals So it was customary if you were going to go have a meal, especially a formal meal at someone's house, that the servant of the house or the person of the lowest position of the house would come and before you had supper together, they would wash their feet. Why? Well, you're about to lay around a table with people's feet close to your face. So you don't want dirty feet close to your food and close to your face. So, it was customary that people would wash their feet. The servant would wash people's feet, and then they would all eat at the table together. In this case, they had arrived at the upper room, and none of the disciples had offered to wash their feet. Why? They had just been having a conversation about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were arguing about who was closest to Jesus, and who would be sort of vice president of the kingdom and who would have the highest position. So when they got inside the room, none of them wanted to wash anybody else's feet because that would be a sign that they were subservient to someone else. So as they ate, as they were finishing up their meal, Jesus, Lord, Master, Son of God, creator of the universe the I am who has always been will always be who's never had a beginning and will never have an end who John declares in the beginning was the word or the Logos and the Logos was with God and the Logos was God and the Logos became flesh and dwelt among us Jesus the Messiah God himself in human form takes off his shirt grabs a towel and a basin of water and one by one starts washing the feet of his disciples. Now you can imagine what the disciples were thinking at the time. I don't know if you've ever had someone wash your feet. It's a little bit awkward actually to have another person wash your feet, especially if you're unprepared. Oh, I know some of you ladies have pedicures. But you go ready for that. You wash your feet, make sure they're all ready for that, and you go have your pedicure. But, But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about dirty feet. Jesus himself taking his disciples' dirty feet in his hand, washing between the toes, soap, and then drying their feet off one by one, I'm sure as he did that, every disciple bowed his head, somewhat in shame, thinking, I should be doing that to Jesus and the other disciples. When Jesus was done, he said, listen, what I have done to you, you need to do to others. Now, he wasn't talking about foot washing, merely. He was talking about the act of servanthood. He was talking about acts of service to help other people out. He was talking about taking the towel of servanthood and serving other people and not thinking that you're at a position where you you don't want to serve because that's beneath you. And he tells the people, listen, if I, your Lord and teacher, your rabbi, have done this, how much more should you be doing this?
0: Thank you, Pastor Mark. We're going to pause for just a moment in our message about the claims of Christ so that we can tell you about an important resource available right now at our website, moodypresents.org. It's called The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. Written more than a century ago, I was amazed when I picked this book up. Let me share with you this excerpt. Moody says, I have either got to overcome the world or the world is going to overcome me. I've either got to conquer sin in me and get it under my feet, or it is going to conquer me. Well, there are so many engaging stories, so much great application for Christian living in this book. I highly recommend D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. And it's yours as a thank you for a gift of any amount when you give online at moodypresents.org. Head to moodypresents.org, and on the left side of the page, you'll see Moody Presents resource. Give it a click. Give a gift of any amount, and we'll send you D.L. Moody's The Overcoming Life. It's our thank you to you at moodypresents.org. Now back to our message. Here's Pastor Mark.
1: I remember the first time that I ever was around a foot washing. Years ago, I was just a kid, and there was a fellow that was walking across across. Spain. I grew up in Spain and he was walking. He had a life size cross and his calling in life was basically to carry this life size cross around the world and talk to people about Jesus. His name was Arthur Blessed. And he had asked my father to walk with them. So they walked for miles, miles. He was carrying the cross. They walked and at the end of a tired day where they had walked probably about 30 miles carrying this cross, talked to a lot of people, witnessed to people. My father and, and a few other people went in, into this trailer, where, where they, the trailer that traveled uh, uh, beside them, and Arthur Blessett, who walked the cross, he spontaneously just t- told the people that were there, hey, thank you for walking with me in the cross. I'd like to wash your feet. And so he, he took a towel and he washed the feet of the people that had walked with him. And it was such a powerful moment for my father that this man that walked across would just humble himself and just wash his feet that um, uh, it left a real deep impression on his heart and on his soul. What Jesus is saying is that we, if we are authentic followers of his, if we claim to follow Jesus, then we need to do what the master did. If the master served other people, then it's part of our DNA part of our value system, part of what we do is to roll up our sleeves and to serve the people around us and to serve the communities around us and to get involved in helping people that have need because we realize we are following the ways of Jesus. And if our master did it, listen, so do we. here's the way it should look in the church we are the community of faith the way it should look in the church is that we don't ask ourselves this question simply well what can I get out of it or what can people give to me but we roll up our sleeves and say how can we help we move into a community we should roll up our sleeves and say how can we bless this community and help this community and make this place a better place In the church, we should be saying, how can I not only receive what God is giving, but how can I minister, reach out, help other people, bless other people, do something in the name of Jesus? How can I do the works of God and serve some way? Because part of our worship is serving in whatever capacity it is. I thank God for literally hundreds of people, even at this church, that serve week after week, Uh, just faithfully doing stuff that nobody sees but they just love Jesus and say I'm going to do it because I want to people that serve in the parking lot when it's cold and it's wintry and they're out there throughout the whole service just kind of guiding cars along hey park here do this Uh, people that usher uh, people that serve in the children's ministry people that volunteer and, and, and take your crying baby that you're so happy to hand off. <laughs> Whew, let me go enjoy the service. And someone's in the nursery holding your little baby crying and and, 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 and these other babies. And and why? Just just serving. Just serving. Uh, people, people that are setting up chairs, people that are cleaning, people that are just, just blessing, serving, loving. And I believe that's really what God has called us to do, and not only within the four walls of the church, but into the community that we serve. Listen, this community should be a better place because the people of God are here, and we're asking ourselves, how can we help our community be a better community? Why? Because we have the Jesus DNA inside of us. Amen? That, that's basically the way it should be. Men, can I just challenge you? You want to be a real leader at your house? Yeah, pastor, I want to be the leader. Could you tell my wife I'm the leader? Let me tell you how to serve, how to lead. You need to lead like Jesus led. And he led by love and compassion, but part of his leadership involved a servant heart. You know, part of loving your wife is to say, honey, you know what, you, you, you worked hard today. Why don't, you take, why don't you take a seat on the couch today, sit back, relax. You know, here's your favorite magazine right there. I'm going to do the dishes, put the kids to bed and not ask for sex later. How about that? Whoa, that would really, that would really blow her away. That would really blow her away. What I'm talking about, I'm talking about servant leadership. I'm talking about living in a way that that we realize that part of our heart and our call is to is to do the 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 works and the deeds of jesus christ secondly secondly the test of an authentic follower of jesus christ is what what it tells us in the latter part of chapter 13. jesus is talking to his disciples he's just had the lord's supper Judas, who's about to betray him has already risen from the table and Jesus knew that Judas was about to betray him and he leaves the table and then Jesus talks to the rest of the disciples in in verse 33 of chapter 13 and he says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Now Jesus gives them another test of following him, and it's the heart test, and it's the love one another test. First it's the servant test, then it's the love test. I want you to notice this about what Jesus tells them. When Judas leaves, he looks at his disciples and he says, "This is the mark of being my follower. This is how will this is how people will know that you are truly followers of mine." He doesn't say they'll know by how big your bible is. Man, you got the big special edition concordance commentary bible he must be a follower no he doesn't say the bible he doesn't say they'll know you're a follower of mine because you wear a cross around your neck and kiss it before you go to bed and pray no that that's not the sign of a true follower you say well pastor I've run into guys that say pastor I don't have a cross man I got it tattooed I went to a house and was trying to talk to a guy about following Jesus, and he wasn't, didn't strike me as a real, authentic follower, and he was trying to convince me that Jesus was important to me. So I'm talking to him, and he strips off his shirt, and he said, this is how much I love Jesus. He turns around, he's got this big tattoo of Jesus on his back that he got in prison, and he shows me. That's it, right there. You may have a tattoo of Jesus at a cross on you somewhere. And I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that's not really the real mark of a follower of Jesus. The real mark of a follower of Jesus is this. How much do you really care and love other people? Seriously. The mark of a true Christian is that they're genuinely gonna care about other people and what other people are going through. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, you can give your body to be burned, you can sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, you can talk in the languages of angels, and if you have no love, it means nothing at all. Because ultimately, the heart of Jesus Christ was a heart of love, he cared for people. Listen, if we don't care for people, we've lost our way. Yeah, it's one of the greatest characteristics. I run into people once in a while that kind of have this attitude. Pastor, I really love God, I really love the word, I just can't stand people. There's something wrong with that, seriously. First John says, how can you say you love God that you cannot see, yet you hate the brother that you can see? You cannot hate people around you and claim to be a lover of God because what God will do is that God will soften your heart to care and love for people around you. That's part of it. No matter what we have done or no matter how much we grow or no matter how much God blesses us in terms of exterior significant work and ministry because the heart of God rejoices when we do not lose a heart of loving other people and caring for other people that are hurting or in need as well. Amen.
0: Our thanks and an apology to Pastor Mark Joe because we really regret having to stop right here in the middle of some very important applications, but we'll pick up next time as we're together. Meanwhile, we invite you to our website, moodypresents.org, where you can hear this program again. And then why not bookmark our page so you can find it again? MoodyPresents.org. While there, we invite you to get your own copy of The Overcoming Life by D.L. Moody. It's available to you, our Moody Presents listeners, for a gift of any size. Can I share with you a quick excerpt? Moody writes, some people go back into the past, and they rake up all the troubles they ever had, and then they look into the future and anticipate they're going to have still more trouble, and they go on reeling and staggering all through life. They give you the cold chills every time they meet you. They put on a whining voice and tell you what a hard time they've had. I believe they embalm their troubles and bring out the mummy on every opportunity. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Lord says, cast all your care on me. I want to carry your burdens and your troubles. You see how practical this book is? We'd love to send you a copy of The Overcoming Life. And again, it's yours for a gift of any amount at moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. Much more to share from today's message. I'm John Geiger, inviting you back next week for more of Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.